Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we preview OU Texas Tech with Texas Tech sideline reporter John Harris. We also preview the biggest games of week 13 in college football and give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, November 23rd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about Riverwind's gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of November, all you got to do is visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Tuesday night, getting it done early because we've got Thanksgiving stuff Wednesday and Thursday, Ted. The holidays are here, my friend. How are we feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm excited about it. Need a little bit of a break. Um, Final game, though. Excited. Excited to try and cap this thing off with a W. Uh, I'm excited to eat and drink a lot. Both eat a lot, drink a lot, and then I'm excited to go to Lubbock and watch this team play its last game of the regular season. And it's it's not an easy one, man. No, it's not. That's that's where I'm at with it now. Before we kind of dive in uh, to OU Texas Tech, and we've got John Harris, who is the color analyst for the Red Raiders. Uh, he'll he'll join us to break it down even more. But you had your coach's show with Brent Venables on Monday night, anything that stood out? Um, yeah, he, he you know, just, uh, some really good things to say about the defense and, and, um, you know, that they're not, not resting on that. The guys are still hungry, excited to play, excited to finish the season. Um, it was really pretty straightforward 
And, um, you know, he recognizes how good Texas Tech is, for sure. Has a long history, knows uh, Joey McGuire really well, has known him for 25 years. Well, all right, then let's dive right into it, man. OU's defense, Texas Tech's offense. When those groups are on the field, Ted, what are you watching for? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if it's just a um, a symptom of having to play so many different quarterbacks at different times throughout the year, but, you know, it feels like this is mainly a running football team for the most part. You know, they can they definitely can get things done through the air um, for sure, but, man, they've built some really interesting things in the running game, and, and that's really what um, – has me concerned now they've got size at wide receiver which always worries you a little bit but man we've I feel like we've done a pretty good job recently covering some guys the um the running game worries me a little bit because they do a bunch of different stuff um you know it's kind of surprising you know the background for the offensive coordinator was throwing the ball all over the yard and now they're they're running it and, and doing it effectively um, you know, just looking at some of the concepts that you'll get from them. Obviously, we get split zone with a tight end in the backfield, but they'll also do some of what we've seen with Braid Willis, um, you know, insert instead of blocking the in man on the line of scrimmage. Um, they'll run one back power and, you know, it looks like one back power at times. Other times it looks kind of like a fold draw, uh, probably two different plays and it probably depends on, on what the what the the front is, um, I'll tell you what's interesting. You know they'll do some zone read stuff, even with Tyler Shuck. You know he's six five, two hundred thirty pounds, but he runs better than I expected, uh, and he's run the ball quite way a bit. better than I expected. Yeah, especially for a guy with two collarbone uh, breaks, right? And, <laughs> and I I interviewed him on my SiriusXM show this week, and he said shoulders hundred percent. Feels great about it. So I think he's kind of worked through that mentally and he's in a good place. And he's basically been a running quarterback the last two weeks. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they'll do some zone read stuff with him and they'll mess with you a little bit because every now and then they'll base block the defensive end. You know, typically on zone read, you block, you know, down and away and you kind of read that defensive end. If he's up the field, you know, the quarterback will probably maybe try and keep it and, and go outside. If he's nice and flat and square, then, you know, you'll probably hand it. And now they'll, they'll block the tackle down and then he'll stop and hinge and turn out for base block on that defensive end. And it stresses those backers there. You got to read that block and, and know how to fit it up front, which is a little bit unique. Um, They'll do some counter stuff with the with the tight end. Um, they'll do like some formation stuff, some end over and run counter out of it. And they'll do it with the. I'm trying to remember who we saw do this earlier in the year. It was an interesting. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. But they'll run counter, uh, guard first, tight end second. But the tight end starts in a normal end line position. Um, you know, so that's a little bit unique. So, um, who was it that did that? TCU. TCU. Um, so, you know, that's, that's an interesting look. And, you know, I, I saw something that was pretty cool. You know, they have both backs in the backfield, run split backs, two 
to uh, both Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick Thompson back there, and they'll run power out of it away from the tight end. So you've got a lead blocker, guard pulling, traditional power, and then, you know, I call it load, I guess, whenever you've got the tight end coming as the last guy. So you get a lot of blockers out there in front trying to create a bunch of different gaps. So, you know, they're going to do some things between gap with pullers and just some zone stuff. They're going to give you a lot of different looks and, you know, present a bunch of different surfaces to try and get you out gapped uh, and, you know, mess with the linebackers eyes and, and some of your reads. So thought that was, was pretty interesting. Um, and I wanted to get your take on it because the offensive line to me, they're big, but they, they look like they're going to really struggle with movement. And, they have. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think it's a particularly athletic group. And especially the right side, got some youth on that right side, guys that haven't played a ton of football. And yeah, it's not, it's not a come off the ball and Malia group either. Remember they were doing in the past, they were doing a bunch of that RPO stuff. They were like the ultimate cover you up offensive line really didn't get downfield because of all the RPO stuff. So they, they need some time to build that group up front. Uh, maybe they'll get some guys in the portal, but yeah, I, I don't think it's one of the better offensive lines in the conference or anything. I do think Brooks and Thompson are elusive and have power. Like I, I like both of their backs, man. Yeah. I really no, do. I think both backs are good. They they've got some, uh, some good movement to them. Good in the open field. And it's a good one, two combo. You're all, always facing a fresh back. That's, that's really solid. Um, you know, but with the offensive line, I, I honestly feel like it's a big edge as many tackles for loss as we create and as bad as they are with movement and their footwork is just real cumbersome. I feel like our defensive line may have, uh, they'll have the opportunity, I think, to have a really big game, you know, tackles for loss, putting pressure on the quarterback. It, it could look similar to what Oklahoma state looked like. I yeah. think those two offensive lines are pretty comparable. And I, I, but I think Texas tech has better backs than Oklahoma state. Yeah. That's so, true. and you add the rushing element, this newfound running game of Tyler Shucks, which yeah. where the hell did this come from? But wild. So that's, that's a new little wrinkle that, that Brent Venables and that staff are going to have to plan for. But overall, the offense is, it, it, it's not, you, you don't turn on the tape and go, wow, look at this group. You, middle of the don't. road like statistic they're they're you look at the statistics they're kind of a middle of the road offense in the big 12 and whenever you turn on the film you say yeah that's that's kind of what i see not they're not going to blow you away anywhere um you know you do worry about the size at wide receiver and shuck's got a big arm and he's a big dude that's going to rip it out there but you know i i yet again here i am saying it you know, third week in a row, I feel like our defense can have a really nice day against Texas Tech's offense. I'm with you. And you, you mentioned the size at wide receiver. It's interesting. You and I have talked about this before. They've got, they've pretty much got a basketball team at wide receiver. 
different sizes, different skill sets, different body types. I mean, you got Miles Price, who's the smaller, like, gadget guy. You got Xavier White. Remember, he used to be a running back yeah. for him. They moved him to wide receiver, and he actually looks pretty dang good. Uh, he's, what, number 14? And it's then kind of, they got a lot like TCU, man. Yeah. And then they got two trees, yeah. right? Jaron Bradley, six, five. And then what? I think Cleveland, number 10. I think he's six, four ish. Mm-hmm. So it's like they got these shiftier, quick guys in the inside and then these massive dudes on the yeah. outside. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting offense to watch. And it's. As the season progressed, it's just not what I expected from Zach Kitley after seeing what he did at Western Kentucky with yeah. Bailey Zappi last year. It's just – and maybe he didn't have the quarterback. Maybe that's what it was going to look like before Shuck got hurt, you know, the first game yeah. of the season. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't think it's come together the way they thought it was going to come together. No, and, you know, you, you expect that to a certain degree. You know, any good offensive coordinator is going to use their, their assets to the best of their ability. Um, you know, and mold their offense to fit the personnel. I'm with you. All right, you got anything else? No, I think that's it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk some OU offense and the Texas Tech defense. Boy, Tim DeRuiter's dialing it up, man. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff coming from everywhere. Now, before we dive into some of the X's and O's of what they're doing, I feel absolutely robbed that Tyree Wilson isn't playing in this game. Ted, I went back and looked on, on on, on my radio show. We we made lists of like things we were excited about heading into the season. And one of my top five things I was excited about was Anton Harrison versus Tyree Wilson. Yep. And we're not getting it because he broke his foot. He's a projected first rounder in the NFL draft. I've been waiting all year for this matchup between him and Anton. And now the week is here and we're not getting it. And I'm sad, real sad. I just wanted to watch those two guys who I think have, you know, who are probably second round picks at the very worst. I'm sad. I don't get to watch those guys go at it. Yeah. Well, Tyree Wilson is maybe the ultimate get off the bus first guy, right? Dude, let me tell you. When we were at Big 12 Media Day, and we interview, we go and we get to interview every coach and every player there. That dude walked over and I said, holy shit, look at this guy. <laughs> I told him to his face. I said, bro, you look like the Under Armour mannequin. Oh, that's funny. I mean, he, he, is by, he is by far, by far, it's not even close, the best physically, the best looking prospect in the big 12 conference like oh he is he looks like a cyborg yep him being out is good for oklahoma's offense though 
<laughs> as yes, as sad as I am about not getting to watch that matchup, I realize that him not being out there on the field is advantageous for the Sooners offense. And so let, let's start here. Cause I do think when you, when you watch their defense, the defensive line is a physical group, right? And, and they've got some interesting body types, like shorter, stockier, you know, kind of the physical guys in the interior with Jalen Hutchings, 95, who's played a lot of ball for them. And then Tony Bradford Jr., 97, who's played a lot of ball for them. Like they're six foot, kind of squattier. And if I remember with Hutchings, pad level. he ate our lunch last year, didn't he? And I'm hit, buddy, I'm here to tell you it's going to happen again. <laughs> yeah. Because Andrew Rame, uh, by now, people will know he had shoulder surgery. Um, he'll he'll be out for the the rest of the season, so it's going to be Robert Conjol. This is not a good matchup for Conjol because guys that play low and with good pad level tend to get underneath him. So he's going to have to fix that, man. He's going to have to say, "I got to bend, I got to battle." But yeah, Hutchings, Bradford, they're they're experienced players that have played a ton of snaps in the Big Twelve Conference. Yeah. Right. And you know, they're they're gonna try to disrupt everything there in the middle of that offensive line. And the thing about it for for Tech's defense is I mean, you go through a game and you feel like you've seen it's like almost like watching OU. You feel like you've seen three or four different styles of defense from them because they'll they'll keep the same personnel on the field. They basically play with kind of old school three four personnel. They got two outside linebacker, kind of like hybrid body type guys. And then they got three defensive linemen on the field, two inside backers. It, it's interesting, but they'll bounce from like a three, three, five look to a traditional, like three, four look. And then they will be in a four down, like a four, two structure. And you're just like, okay, like you just play everything. Okay. Yep. So with everything that they do from you know, just getting lined up, it'll, once again, it'll be on Robert Conjol. What front are they in? How many down linemen? Where are you going? And that's just, that's run scheme. That's pass protection. You have to identify what the structure is because each structure comes with different rules. So there's a lot going on and that has to be communicated across the board. That's backs, tight ends, clearly all the offensive linemen. Quarterback needs to know where the O-line's working and pass protection. So there's a lot going on, man. And we'll start with that. We'll get your thoughts on that before we get into the, some of their blitz packages because, whoa. Yeah, well, um, it makes me makes me wonder, like, and I know it always is, but just to to keep them from maybe changing the look on you that much, probably be a big tempo game, right? No, after last week, people may not want to hear that, but oh boy, uh, oh boy, I feel like that's that's probably if a team's going to make that many adjustments and play that many different fronts and looks against you, then a lot of times you just you know you you try and dictate by using some tempo instead of allowing them to to force you into the thinking mode. Yeah, no, I hear you. So we'll we'll see. We'll see what it looks like. I'm I'm thinking with as much tempo 
uh, Zoyu's offense plays with, like they'll have to pick a structure too and just kind of live in it. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Third down. At this point, it is well documented that the Sooners have struggled on third down the last two weeks. What is it? Two of twenty-seven? Is that right? Yeah, I think it's I think it's two of thirty on third and fourth down. That's not good. That's yeah. bad. That's real, real bad. Yep. You do not want to end up in third and seven plus against this team. It, the best thing I could compare it to is watching some of their blitz stuff reminds me of going against Brent Venable's defense in practice. Yeah. Like coming it's coming blitzes with twists added onto it. I mean, it's coming from the edge, from the interior. He's bringing safeties. He's bringing corners. If you're in third and seven plus, it's coming from somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of the stuff they can get into like a five down structure, right? To where all the offensive linemen are covered. They kind of know that, hey, the offensive line will just take those five, right? And then they'll bring six-man pressure, seven-man pressure, and sometimes just make the quarterback beat them with the ball. Or this is a team that absolutely tests your running back's ability to pass protect. Mm -hmm. And they mainly do it with Krishan Merriweather, their Mike linebacker, who is a big fan of physical contact. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, number one, he he's a, once again played a lot of football for him, but they are going to find ways to blitz and twist and force your running backs to pass protect. And while I think we've seen some improvement in that aspect of things from Eric Gray, Javante Barnes, if he's going to play significant snaps in this game, you better buckle up, young man, because they're going to see if you can do it. Yeah, it's coming. I feel like Marcus Major's kind of been our best at that, hasn't he? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, but they, I mean, they do some elaborate stuff, and it's actually it's actually really fun to watch on tape. Yeah. You're just like, because I'm sitting there going, "Oh, I can see it. I see the safety rotation. You're not tricking me." And then I remember I'm watching it on an iPad and not like down in a stance. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that may be a little harder to see than you think, yeah. buddy. Yeah. But I, I, I like their defense. The one thing I really like about it, and obviously Tyree Wilson not being out there is, is a big blow for them. They are so old on defense. Yeah. Every single one of their DBs, man, is senior transfer, senior transfer, red shirt, senior, red shirts. Like they have to have the oldest secondary in all of college football. Experience it's, matters, man. They are an experienced, physically mature defense. I mean, they're playing without without Wilson. They'll have to play a couple young guys probably at that edge position. Uh, 43 is a freshman, and he's probably going to be a good player. He's not there yet. I think he's he's a guy you can attack right now, but all the other guys are like red shirt juniors, seniors or red shirt seniors. And, and when you look at their, you look at their secondary Oklahoma's wide receivers, it, it feels like they've had some trouble getting some separation lately. Right. Mm-hmm. 
this group is going to grab the absolute hell out of you. And they're going to force the referees to call it. And they're not going to call it every time. Obviously, you have to play. A lot of time we talk about, you know, playing wide receiver with physicality. It's not only just about blocking or finishing physically once you have the ball in your hands or stuff. No, it's like they're going to have to be extremely physical in their route running. Like the hand fighting, all that. Like they're going to have to turn that up because this is a group that, I mean, they just dare the officials to call it. It's really how they go about it. And I kind of respect it. Well, that's how you need to do it until you start. I mean, you've got to. You got to find where how this each uh, group of officials is going to call the game, and then you play to that. You know, sometimes they'll let you get away with a lot of stuff. You need to be able to to adjust to that. Sometimes you're not going to be able to get away with anything, and you need to adjust to that as well. Yep, but that's about all I got, man. Yeah, that's about all I got. I it's I like their defense more one, than man. I wanted to. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one, and they've played better at home, five and one at home, and that is. That's going to be a fun atmosphere. Night yep. night game in Lubbock. Let's go. Yay. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys for your boldest prediction for OU Texas Tech. This first one comes from Dalton Berger, who says, OU's defense does it again, holds Texas Tech to less than 14 points. And the Ooh. offense comes together to finish the regular season strong and puts up 35 plus. How do you like the sound of that, Mr. Layman? I, I would like it. You put up 35. Uh, I would be very happy. I do get the feeling that it is going to be a lower scoring football game, though. Yeah. But that, if we hold them to 14, I think that's good enough to get the win. I I really hope so. I'm going to be really sad if it's not. <laughs> okay. Uh, this last one comes from Brady Mason. He's got three bold predictions. Ted, right. number one, the temperature will be lower than the points scored by the Sooners. I hope so. Well, I don't know if I hope so. How cold is it supposed to be? I like it's supposed to snow on Friday, 60% chance of snow, but I think it warms up Saturday with a high like in the mid 50s. Ooh. But it, I think it's going to get cold again at night. Okay. I'll just – I'll bring the obnoxious jacket again. We'll be good. Yep. <laughs> uh, number two from our man Brady Mason says, the defense continues their upward trend and holds Texas Tech under 24 points. And his third bold prediction, Eric Gray has a big day run in the rock, 190 yards and two touchdowns. Whoa. I – I'll say I will be very, very surprised if he has that type of day against that defensive front. If he has that type of day against that defensive front, we cruise. We win the football game, and and we'll feel good about it. But, yeah, I agree. It's, it's going to be a tough ask. Better Especially to run the edge perimeter than the interior Definitely, stuff. man. I, yeah. I, I think at this point we've established – and. Remember, we we still don't know Juan Morris's status. I I'm going into the game thinking he's not playing, right? And hopefully, it'll be a bonus if he does, right? So Tyler Guyton has to step up in a big way. But 
I'd be lying to you if I said I'm not concerned about Matoya and Conjol there in the interior against 95 and 97. Because those guys play low and with leverage. And Robert Conjol and McCade Matoya do not. So, <laughs> and they're not strong to begin with. I mean, well, those I, aren't... they may be weight room strong, but this is with these two dudes, these little bowling balls. It's a leverage game, man. It's yeah. a leverage battle. So, yeah, like if they get a ton of movement in the interior, then I'll be pleasantly surprised. I do think it's a better matchup for Chris Murray. Because yeah. they these guys don't have great Not length, low. right? Yeah. It's kind of like Chris Murray looking at himself in a mirror, going, "All right, <laughs> let's do this." That's what it is. So yeah. I I I feel better about Chris than I do about the center and left guard situation. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Good challenge. All right, birthday shout outs. Happy first birthday to Hayes Harrison. Happy sixth birthday to Genevieve DeMay. What a name. I know. That's nice. Happy ninth birthday to Will Stone. Happy 13th birthday to Angelica Rose Garcia. I feel like we've already had that. Haven't we already had that? I no? don't know. Maybe I put it on there twice. <laughs> That's very, very possible. <laughs> Happy 23rd birthday to Zach Acuff. Happy 36th birthday to Scotty Cash Ward. Happy 37th birthday to Courtney Taylor. Happy 54th birthday to Tim Dighton. And happy 77th birthday to Michael Blaze. All right, let's preview the best games of week 13 in college football. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Loves has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Hamare. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands and some gas perks in there, baby. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life and better yourself comfort, Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. It's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School 
or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. And I lied to our listeners again. I did it again. Dang it. Before we get to the week 13 preview, we've got a little more on OU Texas Tech with Texas Tech color analyst, John Harris. It is our pleasure to be joined by the color analyst for Texas Tech football, John Harris is in the house. John, what's going on, man? Man, I am just uh, getting ready for uh, Saturday night, and nice to be here with you. Are we going to have snow? What's going on? What's the weather looking like? <laughs> there is snow in the forecast, but it looks like it would happen on Friday. If it does, there might be some left over, but unlikely to snow during the game. Good. But it could be cold. <laughs> John, as as the guy that's actually going to be on the sideline, would you do me a solid get the weather meet machine out and kind of push that out for me, if you could? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm I'm afraid the Red Raiders used up all of their Vaseline and cayenne pepper and everything else. They were plastic bags. All of that stuff got used up at Iowa State. They'll need a new supply. <laughs> I bet it was cold up there. It yeah, was chilly. It, it definitely looked cold. All right, uh, let's start. Let's start with Joey McGuire, John. Just what what has it been like season one under Joey McGuire? It's been full of energy. I, I don't think he ever has a bad day. He's always optimistic. He's always, uh, you know, talking up the program, and he, he's he's a guy that just has. A, a magnetic attraction. And I think that's what's made him so successful uh, in his coaching career uh, from high school to this point and, and through Baylor. Uh, guys just want to be around him and play for him. And I think that's why he's been so successful uh, initially and why you've got a number of guys lined up who have committed to the Red Raiders that want to play in the future. I just think he's a kind of guy that, that athletes want to be around. Yeah. And you know, he's the recruiting aspect has to be a, a great positive. I think Baylor's still uh, benefiting off of, off of his presence at that program. It, it's just got to be a huge bonus that it, that he knows all of the high school coaches across Texas and can find those diamonds in the rough that maybe everyone thinks, Hey, this is a good kid. He's going to be a late developer, but you know, he, he, the, these are the type of players that it feels like he's going to be able to bring in. You know, they have their own system for evaluating players and they like athletes. They like, they like guys who can dunk a basketball, for example. I mean, th that's their deal. They want to find athletes who they will find a spot for them to play but they want to start with an athletic kind of guy and go from there. But that, but that's their deal. And they don't, they don't pay a lot of attention to uh, the number of stars that athletes have. They want to do their own evaluation and decide, but you're right. I think they are the kind of people that'll find somebody that they believe in uh, track athletes, hurdlers. They like those kind of guys. Uh, and then they develop them into some position that they want them to play. Yeah, well, it worked well. That strategy that him and Matt Rule had at Baylor ended yeah. up it, it ended in Dave Aranda using those players to win a Big Twelve championship. So yes, yes, we'll we'll see. It'll take some time uh, there in Lubbock, but uh, I'm not betting against John McGuire. I know that. Okay, let let's talk about the team, John. And it's been been an up and down season 
for this group. Uh, and there's been, there's been a lot of different guys take snaps, right? The quarterback situation has been an interesting one. What's that been like? And, you know, kind of what have you seen from Tyler Shuck now that he seems like he's the guy these last couple of weeks? You know, coming into the season, Zach Kitley was really, really high on Tyler Shuck. Um, you know, more experienced than the other two quarterbacks, Donovan or Barron, uh, and, and really felt good about that. And then the first attempt at running the football this season in the first quarter of the first game, tackled, breaks the collarbone for a second time, and he's out. And all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're scrambling at what are you going to do at quarterback? And Donovan Smith had played well last season, but here's a guy who played one year of quarterback in high school, talented guy at 6'6", 235, helped get you to a bowl game and, and win a bowl game over a Southeast Conference team a year ago. Um, but different system. And, you know, it, it's an adjustment and it's an adjustment because you went from the guy you wanted as a starter and you wanted to use the other two in, in certain situations to all of a sudden that guy, your second guy becomes a starter. And then Donovan gets roughed up at North Carolina State. He plays a little bit, but he's just beat up. And then you go to a freshman quarterback in Baron Morton, who's the highest rated quarterback you've ever signed coming out of high school, but he had never played. And so it's been up and down, clearly. I mean, there's been a lot of that. All of them have won games in the Big 12, but Shuck is the guy you feel best about, I think, from a decision-making standpoint. And I know Zach Kittley feels that way. Joey McGuire feels that way. But he's coming back after surgery and trying to play again. So, yeah, it, offensively, up and down year. And, and talking about that, going into that game at Iowa State, you had started 40 different players on offense and defense. And I think there were 22 on the offensive side of the ball. It's just been – there have been some injuries. There have been some guys out. You've started eight different offensive linemen, three quarterbacks, two running backs, and I think seven, seven different receivers – in the outside and inside spots. So it's, there's been a lot of looking for the right combination is what it amounts to. And maybe you're starting to get it right with healthy people here at the end of the season. We'll, we'll find out on Saturday, just kind of where you are, but it's just been a tough year. I think for them from that standpoint, just not having, you've got some inexperience and then all of a sudden you go from a little bit of experience to inexperience to, you know, guys that haven't even stepped on the field before. So that, that some of that's been tough. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can imagine, cause I was, I was going to ask like how the offense stylistically has differed maybe under each different quarterback trying to play on their strengths and avoid their weaknesses, but playing that many different players on offense, I'm sure that it's been hard to change much stylistically. You've kind of just had to try and, you know, develop some type of identity and stay true to that, I guess. You know, Tyler's a guy that a pocket passer, but a good presence and, and can run some with the football too. And, and you've seen that in the last couple of weeks. Donovan Smith, though, when he yeah. takes off. Oh, you hold your breath every time. 
you just you just go, why can't we have a quarterback that could get tackled and then get up and go back to the huddle? I mean, because you, you think about the end of last season against Texas, Tyler scrambles from about the four-yard line and dives into the end zone against the Longhorns, breaks his collarbone. Doesn't get tackled. He just dives into the end zone. And then this year on that first run, he breaks the collarbone. Go back to Alan Bowman when he deflated his lungs twice uh, running with the football and getting tackled. You're just going, we need a guy who can get tackled. Donovan Smith, big guy, but but still still learning that position, can throw it really well, but not really a scrambler. He's kind of a power-type quarterback when you need that. And then you've got Baron Morton, who's really good at throwing the football on the run. And, and quicker than the other two. So they're all a little bit different, but you're trying to keep them in that same offense and, and make it work. And they can all make it work, but then, then Barron gets hurt. Uh, and then Oklahoma State, he can't go real well after getting tackled. And then you get back to Tyler. Um, they all three are, are talented guys, but they're a lot more talented when they're healthy than when they're not. So looking at what this offense has done well, right? In your opinion, and I like Taj Brooks and Sir Roger Thompson. I like both of those backs. I also like Miles Price and Jaron Bradley and Xavier White. Like, you got some weapons, but what what has been the strength of the offense so far? You know, that's a great question. I think I think what they feel like they do best is run the football, To be to be perfectly honest. Because you've got some inexperience in the offensive line, especially on the right side of the offensive line. And they just feel like right now at this stage, they're better run blockers than they are pass protectors. And if you look at 38 sacks, you say, yeah, they're probably better run blockers than they are They are pass protectors. So they, they feel like, and this is so much different from all of those years under Mike Leach and a lot of that with Cliff, where throwing the football was the thing. Um, these guys feel like they need to run the football and, and to, to set up a pass instead of throwing it to set up the run. And they're probably better than that, at that. And you're right, Taj and Sir Roderick and Cameron Valdez, when he's healthy, are, are a pretty good trio of running backs. Nobody there is getting, you know, a thousand yards, but you add up their totals and they all look, it all looks pretty good. What's been the difference at home? What, five and one at home? this year is it just the way the schedule has fallen or can you tell that this team plays better at home you know they hadn't won a road game until Saturday at Iowa State so yeah I mean it's it's safe to say they play better at home and why that is you know I mean I think everybody plays better at home really um you know, you 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 found a way to beat Texas early in the season, and that's that's not a game that you can look at on the schedule and say, well, we're winning that one because we're at home. Um, and Oklahoma's not the same. And, and you hope that Baylor, which you know you didn't play well enough to win that game, and and you get beat, you're 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 hanging around and you've got a chance. But I just think they're they're more comfortable at home. Um, some of it might be scheduled, but but you've got. You've had Texas, you've had Baylor, you've had West Virginia, uh, and now you're, you had Kansas, which was a big surprise, uh, and you win that one, and now you've got the Sooners. So um, there have been years where there have been easier teams, I'll say that, but, but they, they played well here at home. What, what's the environment been like? Listen, I, 
<laughs> we both played in Lubbock. We've seen it. We've heard. We've heard everything that student section has got, John. But what what's the what's the environment been like there at Jones AT and T Stadium under the new regime? I, I assume it's been pretty good. It's been very loud. They they can they can crank up the volume on the speakers. But I but I think Joey got the students really excited. I think that was a big deal. You got a big student attendance, you know, big part of the crowd. Uh, and they've done a lot of things to try and keep students and, and other fans in the stadium to not, not say, okay, I've seen enough and I'm leaving at the end of the first quarter or I'm leaving at halftime. They're getting people to stick around to the end. And I think that's a big part of it too. Uh, but just a lot of stuff that, that um, you know, appeals to, to college students to stick around at the games. And yeah, they're still, they're still loud. They are still loud. They are still there. They still throw tortillas at the opening kickoff. So now the difference is here, this is, a, you know, the Saturday night after Thanksgiving. So what exactly is that going to be like? But you've got a you've got a team that's qualified for a bowl. You've got Oklahoma. A lot of the ingredients are there to get people out of the stadium on Saturday night. Now, Gabe's upset about it. I'm <laughs> not as upset, but. Tyree Wilson, not going to be playing, which um, he reminds me of Mario Williams, Um, you know, MC state, just a gigantic individual. Um, What, what number one, what's it been like watching his development and how is that going to affect the defense without him out there? Well, that's huge, obviously. Uh, And, and um, I really worried about that against Iowa state that you don't have him uh, you know, either, either mainly because he, he generally attracted at least two blockers. I mean, you've got a tackle and a tight end, or they're getting after him with a running back too. And, and that, that helps out everybody else in that defensive front when, when there's two people trying to block Tyree or three. Um, watching him play was just amazing. You, you, don't, you don't have guys like that very often, clearly. Um, on you know you can't you can't compare him exactly to Pat Mahomes but for what Patrick did for the offense I think Tyree was that kind of presence on the defensive side that you just felt confident when he was on the field that you've got a guy that can make it if you've got a, if you need a play even though it's a defensive lineman he can go and make the play and he was big and he was strong and he was fast um and you just you feel badly for him, not you know, injuring his foot and not being able to play. But they are convinced he'll be a first round draft pick. And it, and it was great to get to watch him play while we could, for sure. Now, lo- looking at the defense as a whole, what do you think have been the strengths of the defense? And then what what have they struggled with? You know, coming into the year, you you looked at the secondary, for example, and you had you've got you've got six seniors back there. Uh, you you know, let me go to my list just to make sure I don't leave anybody out. But you got Adrian Fry, Malik Dunlap, you've got Rabbit, Adrian Taylor, Demerson, Muddy Waters, Reggie Pearson, and and Rashad Williams. You know, and some of those guys are portal guys. But you go, we, you, you feel like a team that's had trouble defending the pass 
all of a sudden the, the experience on that side of the ball is the secondary. And, and they've been pretty decent against the pass, but really they've been good against the run. You know, and I think Tyree's emergence and, and Tim DeRuiter's change of the defense um, with, with Tyree, who still played up there in the front, but you take another guy like Josiah Pierre, who had transferred from Florida, was here last year, didn't play that much as, a, as just a regular linebacker. And now he's more of an edge guy. And you, you had Krishan Merriweather back at middle linebacker and Kosai Eldridge was a guy who was going to play in, as a safety. And you move him to linebacker. And they've all really excelled against the run. Um, I think that's been a bit of the surprise. And they're capable in the secondary. They're all remarkably experienced guys. But I think if you say, what's the surprise about this team? I think it's how well they played the run. And, and what we talked about earlier against Iowa State, stopping them, you know, four out of five times in the red zone, only allowing a field goal. And they run six plays from inside the five-yard line and you stop them. They're running the ball every time. And you go, didn't didn't think we could do that. But they've been good against the run for the most part. Well, how do you think this thing's gonna go? You know, Joey McGuire back in the in the <laughs> summer said, We're gonna beat Oklahoma and tear down the goalposts and knock down the end zone and build a new facility. Yes. And obviously Oklahoma, we know what our record is and what our team has looked like, but that's not gonna change their mentality at all. Do you think it's gonna be one of those type of games where Anything goes, anything could happen. Like we're talking trick plays and field oh, yeah. goals. And yeah, yeah. You, you, if, if, if this were, you know, um, if you had not beaten Iowa State and you still needed this game to qualify for a bowl, I think you, even for a team that's attempted 47 fourth down conversions, I think you probably are a little bit more conservative just to keep yourself in a the best field position possible. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things they've done, and, and they haven't been remarkably successful with trick plays. They just haven't, they haven't worked nearly as well. But I think if you feel like you're going to run it or, or if you need to throw it, I think that's what they do. And I think, I think what, you know, one of the things Joey's going to say is, We've never beaten Texas and Oklahoma in the same season. I think that's going to be part of his motivation for this game, plus the chance to win a third game in a row, go into the – go and get it. Maybe if you win the ball game, you're in a better bowl game than you might be if you don't win the ball game. And I think for him, for recruiting purposes down the road, to say, look, this is how we ended the season. This is what we did. I think all of that is – important. So I think, do they get, does Texas Tech open up the playbook and do everything they can in this one to win it? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's exactly what they try and do. And if they do win and they do tear down the goalpost, yes, they can use it to start knocking down the south end of the stadium and start rebuilding all of that. But, but we'll see. John, uh, I'm counting on you, man. Keep that snow out of there. Keep it away, (laughs) man. We, we appreciate the time. Happy sure. Thanksgiving. You too. We'll see you on Saturday. All right. We'll be there. Look forward to it. Thanks, John. All right. Thank you. I'll say this. That guy's got a great voice. He's almost actorish. Yeah. Right? You know, he kind of looks like an actor, honestly. I know. Yeah. 
That's what I was thinking the whole time. It was the outfit, maybe? I don't know. I I felt like I was talking to someone very, like, very, very sophisticated. Like, way more sophisticated than myself. You know what I mean? Are we sure that that was John Harris, or was that an actor playing John Harris? Oh, damn. (laughs) I don't don't know. I've never met the guy. (laughs) No, it was good, though. Good stuff. Good stuff. Absolutely. All right. Let's preview the best games of week 13 in college football. But first, it's football time in Oklahoma, people. And there's nothing better to drink at the tailgate than Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. And they're not just for tailgating either. They're perfect to drink on the golf course, by the pool after mowing the law, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. The variety pack is out. They've got some new flavors. They've got a new can. If you want to find a place near you that has Clubbies, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention, business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Week 13 of college football and rivalry week is here, baby. Let's start with the biggest one. Number three, Michigan. Goes to number two, Ohio State. This will be Fox Big Noon kickoff, 11 a.m. Central kick. Ohio State is currently a seven and a half point favorite. And some would say this is a massive game, Mr. Lehman. Yeah, this is huge. This is huge. Um, I'm excited for it. And you know what's interesting to me? I, I feel like we haven't even really seen Ohio State since this game last year. Doesn't it kind of feel that way? There's, they just haven't had well, any the Notre Dame games. game, right? We all watched yeah, the Notre right. Dame game, but yeah. other than that, it's it's weird. They're so good that it's it's like you don't pay attention to them because they're so good. That's right. It's just it's, it's strange. Weird. You're right. Yeah. It has, they just they're number two in the country, and I just they haven't been much of a talking point. You know, it's I don't know. It's just been it's been strange. So no, I'm I'm really excited about it. Uh, you know, I think the biggest factor is what's Blake Corm, what's what's his health look like going into the football game? If he's a hundred, if he's, I mean, he's not going to be a hundred percent, but uh, if if he's right there, close to what you usually get out of him, I think Michigan's going to make it really tight. But well, I still like Ohio State. Well, I guess earlier in the week he was handing out turkeys. Two people in need. I guess that's the thing he does. Nice. 
It's okay. like an NIL thing. So he was on his feet handing out turkeys. That's a little different, though, than running against Ohio State's defense. It's a little bit different, but... Was he in a boot? Could you see? No, I didn't. I won't lie. I, I Googled it trying to find, like, turkey <laughs> yeah. footage of, like, him giving the turkeys out. I was trying to find it. I won't lie. <laughs> but I just... That I heard, I, I think I read an article about it. Maybe heard it on the podcast. I don't, I don't remember, but it was. It, it's interesting because there's no doubt in my mind he's going to play. But if he's only like seventy five percent, I mean, how effective he is he going to be against all those dudes that Ohio State's got? I, yeah. and, and also, if he plays and he's ineffective and he's like, guys, I'm not helping the team, and goes out like how. How does that affect yeah. that team psychologically? I, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but there's so much on the line in this game. I mean, this is exactly what a rivalry game between great teams is supposed to be. Yep. I mean, it's a college football playoff elimination game. And and I know some people think, oh, well, maybe the loser can get in. Can get in. I just, with, with how this thing looks like it's going to shake out, I just, I, I think if you lose, you're out. Yeah. So it's probably right. I, you know, looking at the matchup, I do not trust JJ McCarthy. When I'm supposed to trust him to play the type of game he will need to play on the road to to go to Columbus and win. Like, especially if the running game isn't rolling, if quorum's not right. Like I just, I just can't visualize that happening. Right. I can't visualize the announcers being like, and JJ McCarthy puts the team on his back. I just, I yeah. can't see it, man. But as far as Ohio State, clearly a huge opportunity for CJ Stroud, not only for the Heisman, but for what this season can be for them. And I know their running backs, they're banged up, man. That running back room is banged up, but this is an opportunity for them to showcase all those wide receivers. Yeah. Man. And this may be the biggest factor in this game for me. Ohio State has spent the last 365 days thinking about beating the shit out of Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that the, is very real. What, once, once out of the last 13 years, isn't that right? Something like crazy like that. But yeah. that's still, uh, that doesn't make it any better. It actually makes it worse. And I'm with you. And, and you're coming home. The fan base is going to be feeling the same thing. It's going to be a tough environment, man. I uh, Michigan's actually lucky that it's an 11 a.m. kick. Yeah, I just I, – I don't think it would matter. I don't think it matters when this thing kicks. I think that fan base – I think that place is going to be wild. And let's be real, man. They Ohio State got pushed around last year by Michigan. Yeah. And those players, they had to hear about that for an entire offseason, not only from, you know, stuff in the media, but I'm sure those strike coaches were just chirp, 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 chirp. I mean, all year long. And personally, I think they're about to take 365 days of frustration out on Michigan. I think Ohio State's going to whoop Michigan's ass in this game. Wow. Well, I guess it wouldn't surprise me if they did. Um, selfishly, 
I hope it's an actually close, entertaining game. Same. But uh, really, I it would not shock me. I think they're the more talented team. I think they have the edge at quarterback by a mile and being at home and the pissed off factor, like you pointed out. I mean, all of that points in Ohio state's favor in a big way. Yep. All right. Let's move on to our next game. Number 15, Notre Dame. Heads to the Coliseum to take on number six, USC. This will be the 630 ABC primetime game. And USC is currently a five and a half point favorite. And there's a lot on the line for the USC Trojans. Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, there's a lot on the line. They've already locked up that berth in the Pac-12 championship game. But I, for one, I think, they absolutely control their own destiny when it comes to making the college football playoff. So this game, it's going to be of a, probably a different type of challenge Mm -hmm. for a lot of guys on that roster. Now you look at, you know, Lincoln Riley and what he was able to accomplish at Oklahoma, right? He knows how to get a team ready for a game like this. And he was in this situation quite a few times, but There's a lot of guys on that roster that have not experienced anything like this. Yeah. So how do they handle the pressure of knowing what's at stake? And I think Notre Dame is, while I do think that UCLA and Utah are physical at the line of scrimmage, like I'm not so sure they've seen a team, especially along the offensive line, as – as physical and as strong at the point of attack as Notre Dame is. And Notre Dame's coming in playing some good ball, man. Yeah. No, there. I think everyone, or not everyone, a lot of people still remember uh, the Notre Dame that lost early in the season, right? But they've come a long way since then. Um, defense is playing like you would expect. And like you said, offense on that offensive line, man, they – it is, it's a tradition there. They just year after year after year turn out really good offensive lines, individual offensive linemen, and just uh, just the offensive line as a group play really well. And the same thing on the D-line. Really physical in the front seven. Always have good safeties. Uh, and you're seeing that again this year. I, I, I think if, if Notre Dame can, can dictate kind of the pace of the game and end up trying like playing it on their terms, forcing it into a more physical contest and being able to kind of keep the cap on USC's offense. I think, I think that's their best shot. And I think they can win that type of game, but can they force that type of game? I mean, that's the big factor here. Yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how USC's defense holds up. Now you got to give that group credit. They have just, they forced an unbelievable amount of turnovers. I think USC is plus 21 in turnover margin, wow. which is just an insane number. It's like seven or eight better than any other team in the country. Like they've they, scored a bunch on defense too. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see if they can continue that ridiculous run when it comes to forcing turnovers. But in a game like this, where it kind of feels like a, you know, a styles makes fights game. I typically lean on quarterback and head coach. 
And while I think you and I both think that Marcus Freeman is going to be a star as a head coach, Lincoln Riley is, I mean, he's one of the best coaches in college football and one team has Drew Pine. The other team's got Caleb Williams. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that is just going to be like, I think I think Notre Dame's probably they're probably better pretty much everywhere else, right? It's either it's either a wash or I would give edge to Notre Dame. But they ain't close at quarterback. You're going against the best quarterback in the country, and I hate to say it, but you kinda at this point just have a guy. Yeah. So that's that's hard to overcome. Yeah, and let's not pretend like Caleb Williams doesn't have some weapons, right? I mean, Jordan Addison's back. He's doing his thing. We'll see if Mario Williams, you know, how how he looks. But maybe this is the game where not having Travis die really hurts the Trojans. I I, I don't know. But one weird thing about this game, like normally this time of the year, we are – we were thinking, oh, like cold weather conditions, right? This Notre Dame team's coming from South Bend and going to having to play in LA. Yeah. So that's that's kind of interesting. Like and we saw we saw guys last week in Bedlam cramping. Yeah, I don't know. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Like because it's not gonna be hot. Because it's going to be a night game, and this time of year, it's going to be, it's probably just going to be absolutely perfect. It'll probably it's going to be, like be very degrees. pleasant, I assume. Yeah. I bet it's like sixty-five degrees, and yeah, I don't know. That that's, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's the biggest game they've had there in a while. I bet. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about. It. Yeah, Saturday in LA, high of seventy-three, low of fifty. Yep. So it's going to be, it's going to be perfect. Yeah. So that's, we'll that's, see how the we'll see how the big northerners handle it. How do they handle perfect weather? Yeah. How do, how do the yeah. Irish handle playing in perfect conditions on natural grass? We'll see. <laughs> All right. Last game. Oh, and one one last thing. Huge, huge, huge game for Caleb Williams and his Heisman hopes. Huge. They just set massive stage for that. Okay. Notre last game. game. Oregon, uh, if Oregon makes it, and like that's it, you win the last two games. Not much of an argument. I agree. All right, the last game. This is he'll be playing I, Oregon or who can can Utah still make it? Yeah, but Oregon, if they win, they're in yeah. Utah. It's kind of like a roundabout way. I forgot what it is though. You'll be playing Oregon while Ohio State. If CJ Stroud wins, is playing Iowa. Jeez, maybe Purdue. If Iowa, that's can't. so gross. I know it's bad. It's so gross. <laughs> All right, last game, the Civil War. Are they still call it that? I, I wasn't there a it. thing where they stopped calling it that? Probably. Yeah, I think I think the Civil War got canceled. Number nine, Oregon at number twenty-one, Oregon State. 2.30 on ABC. Oregon is currently a three-point road favorite in Corvallis. And Oregon State's quietly having a very good season. Yeah. I mean, 
eight and three, and their losses are against USC, Utah, and Washington. This is your kind of team, Ted. Yep. Defense and running the football. I mean, their their running game has been been pretty dang nice with Damian Martinez and some people think they've got the best defense of the Pac-12, man. I yeah. I am very interested in this game. I know that it's probably kind of lower on the list of rivalry weekend, but I think this this has the chance to be the best game of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's crazy how far Oregon State has come. They started to show pretty strongly last year and, you know, built right into that this season. They gave USC all they wanted. USC barely got out of there with a win. And, um, yeah, I, I think this one really, to me, it boils down to how healthy is Bo Nix. If Bo Nix is not healthy and either can't finish the game or isn't nearly as effective running it, then it's going to be a long, tough day for Oregon, and they're going to be in a low-scoring dogfight. Oregon's offense has to be better than they were a week ago. No doubt. Uh, I just, and, and I'm not sure how much better Bo Nix's ankle is going to feel, you know, one week later, probably not much better. So what's that look like? Cause if he doesn't have his mobility, Oregon state's defense is solid, man. So I, I just think it's really tough to ask Oregon's defense to carry them again like they did a week ago but who knows maybe maybe they can do maybe they can have a similar performance defensively like they had against Utah but I've never been to Corvallis but it seems like weird things happen there yeah of course they do yeah I've never been there either but it's got to be weird things, right? I, it is, so it's like, total, it's a, from what I understand, totally different feeling than Oregon, like Portland. And I think it's like dry and arid on the other side of the state, isn't it? I, on the other side of the mountains. I have no idea because I feel like every time I watch a game, they're playing in there. It, it's just like fog. <laughs> like you can't <laughs> <Right>. see anything. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like, and the fog has rolled into Corvallis. You're just like, oh, again, awesome. Can't can't see anything. Well, Barely can see the players. I I hope weird things happen because I I'd, I'd like to see a a good weird football game. I'm down for that. I, me and you both. It is. It's a big game for Dan Lanning and for the Ducks, though. Yep. When and you go play USC in the Pac Pac-12 title game and you know you're one for him. Like he he wants to be able to use that for recruiting, for everything. Like yep. that, that this game obviously gonna mean a lot. And as as weird as I think things can get in Corvallis, I'm not gonna lie, I do not have a ton of faith in Oregon State's freshman quarterback, Ben Golbranson. <laughs> what a <laughs> but with, since since they've gone to him, they've really leaned on the run game. And a little fun fact for this one, for the people at home, Oregon State, 6-0 and against the spread at home this season. Oh, really? Huh. Okay. Little fun fact 
for you. The Beavers like playing at home. Nice. Oregon's probably going to win, but I, I I hope I hope it's a really good game, but I hope Oregon wins. I, I'd I, like to see Oregon USC in the Pac-12 championship. Whether USC beats Notre Dame or not, that that's the game everyone wants in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, I think when we did uh, Sooner Game Day early in the week, I picked Oregon State because let's get weird. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full service financial institution based in Oklahoma with a tailor with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress free with FFB, making mobile deposits, paying bills online and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also gives back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember back in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best in glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win that competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Tiger Woods. It's Tiger Woods. Um, last year, he won the PGA Impact Player uh, for the the person voted to have the most positive impact on the on the PGA, and it's measured through social media and all of that stuff. Won eight million last year, fifteen million dollars this year grand total of 23 million dollars despite not having done anything at all himself on social media probably didn't have one actual post that he put out there himself he just continues to fall ass backwards into money it's an amazing talent that he's got he he also hasn't played much golf i know but much golf hasn't even made a post but here he is still raking in the dough oh yeah and it's i I think it's you're right i think it's based off like impressions on social media and all that stuff i bet one video of him and charlie doing something like just beats everyone yeah where it has like their swings where they look the same and where they were walking the same that thing right there won the whole thing it was already over it's crazy man he he can do like one thing a year and and win that for the rest of his life. He's Tiger yeah. Woods, man. Yeah. Well, and 
it probably makes him like the leader on the money list too for the year whenever you yeah. win that right i can't remember i can't remember if it was like brooks kepka or rory or one of them but basically they kind of asked him is it annoying that tiger's not playing golf and he still wins that and like yeah kind of but he's also the reason we all make so much money now so it, it was pretty interesting to hear that perspective it's like um it's like everyone's just kind of paying back their dues, I guess, right? That's yeah, it's the tiger tax. Tiger tax. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that's good. I mean, yeah, he could win that every year for the rest of his life if he, he is supposed to play. What I think is the Hero Challenge next week, or maybe two weeks from now. It's coming up pretty quick, I think. We'll be tuned in. If he's playing, we're watching, Try just it. like everyone else. Try I'll it. I'll watch that instead of the World Cup, probably. Eh. Unless America's in it. Huh? We'll see. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I had to go with Baker Mayfield. Mm. Sam Darnold's going to get the start. You know, the play, the PJ Walker, the former XFL guy playing in front of him. He, you know, I like a good conspiracy theory, Gabe. Did Carolina even want Baker or did the NFL just make them take him so they'd have Baker versus the Browns on the home opener? Is that it? Just like Russell Wilson versus Seattle Seahawks in the opener. They haven't acted like they want him to play. He showed up late, you know, really late. They gave him the chance to start, basically started the first game. And he hasn't really had much of a chance since then. They have not been very good offensively. And he got banged up again, right? With what, the ankle? Mm -hmm. And he just hasn't played well, man. Nope. I mean, Which? coach got fired. Hadn't played well. I mean, it just has, it has not, it has not gone the way that we all were hoping it would go. For him in Carolina. I think that's no. probably the the best way I to guess put it. What at are this they point they're probably just they're probably shopping Sam Darnold, right? They're probably trying to get him out there, get him some exposure. Cause they got a they got a big rebuild going on there. Yeah. I, I think at this point, what, they're three and eight. So they're they're probably starting to think, okay, how can we how can we lose as many games as possible to ensure that we get a crack at CJ Stroud, Bryce young, right? Because Houston, I feel like Houston's going to have that first pick on lock, right? They're one and eight Chicago and Carolina are both three and eight. Uh, there's a Chicago's lot of three and seven teams quarterback too. And yeah, Chicago's got their guy, Justin Fields, or at least I assume that's He's how better. He's played played a lot better here recently. Yeah. So they are they may be putting Darnold out there to ensure that they don't win any games. <laughs> right. You never know, yep. man. Yep, that's right. Well, uh, I guess it could be worse. Still making a, a big chunk of change this year. And um I think you mentioned it before. He he needs to go be uh understudy to someone and wait needs for to get to Tampa as fast as he can. Yep. 
But also, this is the reality of it for Baker Mayfield. Because you and I, I mean, we've seen this before, right? He's not the first highly drafted quarterback for it to not work out, right? It's happened happens a lot. And it it feels like it's starting to happen more and more now. But he can still play 10 more years in the league if he wants to. Just yeah. gonna have to accept you're you may just be you back up and be a spot starter here and there. Yeah. And then maybe that. maybe that leads to him getting a getting another chance and maybe he has a Geno Smith type season. Yeah. Something you, like that. You never know whenever all of a sudden the right the right supporting cast, like you've got the right type of experience, the right coach and it all matches up for you, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a backup quarterback in the NFL. In fact, uh, it's probably the best spot in the entire league. It is. It's an awesome job, and everyone likes you. And he honestly could be like the best backup quarterback ever with <laughs> the personalities. Oh yeah. So yep. You know it. It hasn't gone the way we were hoping it would for him. Um, I still. I really wish Cleveland wouldn't have drafted him. No, no. I was like the only one that wasn't excited. He went number one. I was like, oh no, that franchise. Oh no. Because I had seen it, man. I was yeah. I was not thrilled for him, but that was yeah, you know, that's just really hard way to start your career and just hadn't been able to get the train back on the tracks. Tough. Definitely. All right. For my winner of the week, thought about going with Saudi Arabia. Okay, Ted. How much World Cup? Are we watching? What what are you doing? I've watched I've watched ten minutes of World Cup. Okay. That's ten more minutes than I thought you were going to watch. So nice. <laughs> right. But now I do not know a lot about soccer, but I've got a few go to people that follow it very closely. So I kind of lean on them for some information. But I know this Saudi Arabia beating Argentina was not supposed to happen. No, I know that, especially when Argentina went up one to nothing, excuse me, one nil in that match. They were like plus 2000, right? I saw this from BetMGM. Did a little digging. From that perspective, it's the biggest World Cup upset ever. Wow. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah. So I was like, excuse me, what now? Yeah, ever. So look at the Saudis go. I think, what did I see that Saudi Arabia has like a, it's like a national holiday today or something? I just saw, now? I saw all the pictures of their players. Like they, everyone looks so happy. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a guy. I, felt, I was like, look at you guys. I mean, the players, any picture I've seen of any Saudi Arabia, they've got the biggest grin on their face. That's all. Awesome. It was a huge deal, man. Huge deal. But, also thought about going with anybody that covers college basketball in a serious capacity because the fact that the NCAA announced that the 2028 Final Four is going to be held in Las Vegas, buckle up, buddy. That's awesome. That's awesome. I wish they would hold like the first weekend there and have all of the games there. That would be insane. I know. That'd be awesome it would be awesome that's a good idea now they've got the hockey plays they do the basketball there you've got 
all the places they play NBA Summer League. Yeah. Um, is that where UNLV plays, maybe? I think one of them's that. And then they got the Raiders Stadium. That's right. That's what they should do. Because that's already like the biggest weekend in Vegas all year, isn't it? That's what everyone says. I've never been, but it's one of the rumors. Would be fun. But my winner of the weekend, we're going to keep the soccer theme going. U.S. men's national team, Kellen Acosta. Did you watch any of the United States game against Wales? I, yeah, that's my 10 minutes. Okay. Okay. So you had the unfortunate situation from the hardcore soccer people I talked to. They said it was a good call that Garrett, Gareth Bale got the penalty. I guess it was a bad challenge. It was a stupid challenge. You got to make an old guy turn, flip his hips, and get a shot off, Ted. It's like, okay, yeah, whatever. It did seem like just a dumb thing to do in the moment. You know, you're you're winning. You didn't need to do it. So you go to you go to the extra time. Kellen Acosta. And when this happened, I was like, what is that goalie doing? And then I realized. You know, as I, I dug in on Twitter, Kellen Acosta saved the United States ass in the hundred minute hundredth minute of that game because Gareth Bale it like he's dribbling it just past midfield and it looks like he's about to like shoot it. Like, what is this guy doing? And all of a sudden Acosta comes and just knocks the shit out of him. Out of nowhere. Just, <laughs> just running behind him, just tackles him, like takes the yellow card. Maybe could have been red, according to the soccer experts. But the reason, for whatever reason, I think the goalie's name is Matt Turner. I want to say that's right. He's way off his line. Like, he's way out of the box, dude. If you so see the picture chip of it, it. over his head, right? Oh, they were going to lose in the 100th minute. Garrett Bale was about to put that thing in the back of the net until Acosta was like, nope. <laughs> yeah. It just knocked the hell out of him. <laughs> That man's an American hero because it was bad enough that they got that the they gave Bale the penalty, bailed him out, pun intended, and you know that they didn't get the win, but they were about to lose in the hundredth minute if that dude doesn't take that foul. That would have been a disaster. Nice yeah. play. Hey, it's like you know sometimes you just. You have to drag the wide receiver down whenever you're beat on a deep ball every now and then, right? Just take the penalty. <laughs> Dude, look at this picture. That The circle is the goalie. Oh, yeah. Wow. And that's where he takes the foul. Like, it bails about to rip it. What's he doing? I, I, thought, the, I thought the whistle was about to be blown. I don't know, man. But Kellen Acosta. Thank you for your service, sir. Good job. <laughs> you saved you saved us from an American meltdown. That would have been <laughs> oh, that would have been really bad. All right, for my loser of the week. Thought about going with the Arizona Cardinals. Ugh. Stick a fork in them, Ted. They're done. Mm. Kyler didn't play. They went to Mexico City and got smacked by the 49ers. 49ers look good. Yeah, they got smacked so so bad. Our man Coogs uh, got himself fired down there in Mexico doing God knows what. <laughs> I really want to know what he did. I know. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad trip.
<laughs> bad, bad, bad trip. trip. <laughs> bad trip. Oh, but yeah, what, four and seven for the Cardinals? Not looking good. Nope. Kyler banged up. Not looking good. Okay. You see also, all those uh, memes going around of like Kyler since what is it, the new Call of Duty came out or something? People really pay attention to those stats now with him. They definitely do. All right. I also thought about going with EA Sports. Mm. I feel like we were lied to. Came out and said the NCAA football game, which we all thought was going to come out next year, will not will not be out until the summer of 2024. Come on. You, you, you should have slow played it, right? Yeah. Just don't even tell sure. us. Just, just have it ready and drop it, man. That's it. Like a Taylor Swift album. Exactly. Uh, but I guess they don't want to rush it. They got to figure out the NIL piece of it. Whatever, man. Just give us the game. You know, the last year that game was out was my senior year. I'm on the last version of that football game. Really? Yeah. What year is that? Uh, 20 foot. What was it? NCAA football 2014. Is that right? 2013, 2014. I'm like a 90-something. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think I might be on that game, too. Yeah, they made it for a long time. You're not that old, dude. Because, well, because they called. I, like, got a royalty from either that year or one year because they had, like, some. Oh, it had, like, your national championship team on it? Something like that. It had, it had like, some, some older guys on there somehow. or I don't know. Legends squad something like that yeah. yeah you were probably they did it where it was like the all ou team like where it was the best players from each i bet you were I on see. that i see yeah no cool. big deal nope no big deal just one of the best players <laughs> ever in school history no big deal lucky <laughs> very lucky but my my loser of the week there's only one choice it's zach wilson um, everyone's shitting on that guy. All he had to say when he was asked if he felt like the offense let the defense down, all he had to say was something to the effect of we've got to be better offensively. That starts with me. We, we got to help the guys on defense out. They're playing great. We got to help them out. That's it. That's all he had to say. Instead of saying well, no, just say what he's been coached to say since he started playing any type of big time football. Just say what any other quarterback would say. Instead, he says no. And it is created. I think he even said no twice. I think it was no, no. <laughs> it has created a massive problem in that locker room. His head coach, Robert Saul, is out here saying, I'm not committing to him being the starter this weekend. Like, dude, what? What are you doing, man? Booger McFarland's out here going, hey, this kid grew up with money, so he's not accountable at all, which made no sense. And Steve Young's reaction was priceless. He's like, like what? What? <laughs> yeah, that's the dumbest thing ever. RG3 sitting there in the middle like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> yeah, <I was> like, <laughs> <It's> so funny. <laughs> but the whole oh thing, God. I mean. Booger's so stupid. I wish some of one of them would have said, oh, so you don't hold your kids accountable? Is that what you're saying here? 
Yeah, it's like, Booger, you've made a lot of money. Yeah. Your kids are growing up with a lot of money. They they just zero accountability. That's how it works in the (laughs) McFarland household. Like I it that was that was an odd take, but It it does. I mean, they got Mike White. Do they still have Flacco? Is yeah, I th- yeah, I think so because he yeah. played whenever. Yeah, when he, he was hurt right? this year. Yeah, dude, I would not be surprised if old Joe Flacco trots out. I mean, it it sounds like they got him. There's a lot of guys on that team that got a big problem with Zach Wilson. <laughs> That's wild. I can't. I can't believe he said that. I. I don't even. I. I it's. It's a. It's a bad. It's not. Uh, I guess you should expect the question, but I, I just, I would, I've never heard anyone really, that's like a, a Dan Mullen answer or something, <laughs> you know, I, the only person who's never taken accountability. I, it's like the first thing you do, every coach after a loss, I got to coach better, right? It's the first thing you do. Whether like someone, one single person cost you the game with like a stupid play, I got to be better. That's just how it is. That's, that's so bad. So bad. He, he has also played like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. So like you have to take some accountability, man. You haven't yeah. played well. I mean, for Disco, no. <laughs> it's an all-time clip for me. All-time clip. Now. Three it, three points. They mustered up three points. Yeah. What was he like? Nine of twenty-two, and everyone was like, "It was really windy." Like he was missing dudes like two yards away from him. Oh my gosh! But it has been. It's getting even worse now because they played the Bears on Sunday. Did you see the Justin Fields story? No. So uh, they've got they've got the Bears Sunday. I think that game's in New York, and. Justin Fields, Bears lost to the Falcons last weekend. Great game. Super close. Really fun to watch. And I guess in the locker room after the game, Justin Fields was apologizing to the guys on defense, saying that the offense let him down. It was his fault. Like, had the whole team together. And mind you, I think he, like, dislocated his shoulder in the game. (laughs) Dude's playing hurt. Like, and I guess his defensive teammates, like, stopped him. And, like, they all – like – it was a very much a bro out moment. Yeah. And then you've got the Zach Wilson. No, <laughs> you compare those two things, man. It's bad. It's, it's really so bad. bad. I, I'm for, I like you, like, you know, better than that. You're not stupid. Uh, that means you actually mean it, which is an even deeper problem. It wasn't just a mess up. Like, because he grew up with money, man. You're going to get what you deserve on that deal. All right, here it comes. It's that's bad. Yeah. I, maybe it all blows over, but hey, you go I mean, win. when your head coach isn't willing to say like, yeah, Zach's our guy against Chicago, that, that tells me that there's something very real going on in that facility. Like yeah. that a lot of guys have a big problem with that dude. Yeah. If you would have saw, uh, Robert Saylor walking off the field. Is it, is it Saylor? I always say Robert Sala, Sala. but I've heard people say it like 10 different ways. Yeah. So if you would have seen him walking off the field, it, 
after they how they lost that game, uh, the last thing he wanted to hear after that game was his quarterback say that they didn't let the defense down or whatever. It, it, just a reminder, just a reminder, he's a defensive guy. Oh, yeah. Defense is his thing. And they're <laughs> playing really good defense, and the offense is messing it up. Oof. Brutal. Yep. Episode 269 in the nice. books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday. Hopefully, we are recapping an OU win over the Red Raiders. Just a reminder you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94 7 in the ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Everybody, have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy your family. Have some fun. And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.